This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. Hello. Hello. Welcome to this episode of Property Jam, where we talk about everything on the human side of property. And today we have a very special guest, another podcaster, um, so, uh, the, the host of the Property Voice podcast. It is Richard Brown. So welcome, Richard, to Property Jam. Um, who are you? Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Who am I? I ask myself that question every day. Um, yeah, <laughs> Richard Brown, pretty, pretty common name. So I have to give myself the alter ego, of course, of the Property Voice um, I guess that's that's been in existence for, gosh, about six, seven years now, something like that. And um, I guess, um, who am I, what I do? Well, the last 12 years or so have been pretty much exclusively related to the property sector. Uh, prior to that, I've had uh, a life, I suppose, and, and several careers or reincarnations. Um, probably tried a couple of times to stick it out in corporate land, but, you know, it just wasn't for me. I'm very much an independent, you know, entrepreneurial spirit. And I stepped out uh, a couple of times and the last time for good. I don't think anybody would have me back in corporate land now anyway. Uh, pretty much unemployable. So what, what am I? I'm a property investor, developer, business owner, and knowledge sharer, um, I, I would suggest, is who I am. Nice. And what, what's, your, what's your strategy? Do you focus on buy-to-lets or a mixture? It's funny you should say that because, um, you know, I think perhaps we, we swapped a couple of notes about maybe some ideas what we, we might talk about. But I think where I started isn't where I've landed. And, um, you know, I started, I've always been what I call a value adding investor. So if Warren Buffett's a value, you know, value added investor, I'm a value adding investor. So I've always tried to take on projects where I can add some kind of value. So I don't think I ever had a vanilla buy to let in other words. So I've always had some kind of, whether it's refurbishment project or a conversion project, you know, uh, linked to what I've been doing. I was doing kind of single family or single units for about the first eight years. I was doing approximately two to four a year um, for that period of time, um, but managed to keep most of them in the portfolio. And then a few years ago, there was a bit of a step change, really. I was like, well, this is, you know, I'm doing like two, three, four projects a year. And it's kind of a bit of a cookie cutter. You know, I was doing kind of refurbs and then I moved up to HMO conversions. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe I could scale this a little bit. And so um, how can I scale? Well, you can do bigger deals. Uh, you can do multiple unit projects. And so I kind of stepped into multi-unit projects or a larger scale over the last few years. And that's, that's morphed again into perhaps, you know, some block deals and even more recently acquiring businesses to even take us in a different tangent of uh, income streams. So it's gone from relatively straightforward uh, projects, but they were always a project, usually a project uh, attached to what I did, to something a bit more complex and, you know, more recently diversific diversification, if I could say it, um, into different segments to uh, diversify my um, my income. So, and the phrase I tend to use to describe all of that journey is fix and flex. And so, you know, you start with an idea, a strategy, a plan, and that's a good idea, by the way, to start with something and have a clear path and a clear direction. 
But inevitably, you know, things change. Our lives change. Uh, maybe you hit a goal. I, I hit my first goal with my first property as it happened. And I was like, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> Need to do something else now. And that's the flex. So you can't flex from the beginning. And if you fix forever, then you're perhaps a bit too rigid. So I came up with this phrase of fix and flex. And uh, I guess I'm a, a living embodiment of that actually happening over the last roughly 12 years. Cool. And um, so the question that we normally ask our guests when they come on is, you know, what does the human side of property mean to you? Um, I, I imagine it might be something to do with flexing, um, possibly <laughs> not, not in the gym, but uh, yeah. So what, what does the human side of property mean to you? Or maybe, yes. You just reminded me. I, I actually got a, um, a bruise to the ribs when I uh, talked about some flexible um, no, I'm, I'm taking this down the wrong path, aren't I? My wife gave me a right, <laughs> you know, talking about the wrong thing. So let's let's not let's get back on. <laughs> human side of property. It's it's really interesting that you you focus on the human side of property, because uh, a lot of people think property is about property, and property's got it's got some things to do with bricks and mortar, but it's in my experience, it's all to do with people. And so, um, obviously, you do need to touch some bricks and mortar along the way. But I think, you know, you're always engaging people and you're always dealing with people. So for me, it's, it's, I would summarize it as having, I call it meaningful conversations. So if you have meaningful conversations with investors, with vendors, with uh, key stakeholders you know, that you engage with in your property business, then you're probably going to do better than if you perhaps shy away from that um, or, or don't really think about that. So I, I actually think meaningful conversations with you know, key people around you is going to take you further. And all sorts of things spark out of that. You obviously deepen the relationship and understanding. You also create opportunities and you're connecting on a human level. And so um, this isn't the sort of business where it's just widgets coming out of a you know, factory into a box and you ship them off somewhere. You know, it's, it's very, very fluid. There's lots of moving parts, even though it's a fixed property oftentimes. So I think, you know, yeah, I'm actually, I was intrigued when you invited me to join you and you said it's the human side of property because it's exactly the way I see things as well, that, you know, property is all about people engaging with different people. And I think that's also part of what can enrich the experience uh, for people as well. Although actually... Uh, interestingly, a lot of, I don't know what you guys think, actually, I'll, I'll ask you the question, but a lot of people who start out in property get very lonely <laughs> because, you know, it's a, it, the solopreneur type of thing or the solo investor type of thing. And um, especially in the last 18 months where we've all been, you know, doing what we're doing now, speaking on Zoom if we're lucky, uh, perhaps locked up. So I think the human side of property um, is, is what it's all about. But equally, I think a lot of people who come into property for the first time, they they don't really get that or they don't when i say don't get it they just ha don't have access to it so yeah. it's good it's good i think to focus on that and um and just remember it's a people business not a property business yeah no that's that's very true and it's uh, everything you said is pretty much what we're all about and the reason why we started the podcast the reason why we work together you know is because you know it, it is a, it can be a lonely old world out there it can be a very lonely industry to be in and can be very daunting there's there's so many um there's so, there can be so much happening at the same time we're dealing with tenants dealing with agents dealing with everything and um, so to try to tackle all of that by yourself can be um 
a very stressful time. Not that it's not stressful just because you're working with someone. It doesn't, the stresses don't automatically disappear and it doesn't suddenly become a walk in the park, but you've got someone to share that with. I think that's the important part. I think people do get a, a stuck in this, this, this kind of notion of, of the property. Um, and especially when, when they start out that, um, um, it is about how can I do this? They get they get caught up in deal analysis. They get caught up in oh, what planning do I need? What's my licensing requirements? All this in that technical stuff. Um, and I think you can put, hit the nail on the head is that um, to resolve all of those issues, you actually need other people. So to do a project, you need you, the, the success of the project is on how well communication travels between. Yeah, we've actually talked about this quite a lot in the last few episodes um um recently about how well communication flows from the client the contractor any project manager the architect structural engineer you know, how well that that goes is the success of the project you know not necessarily how you know, how many bricks there are you know it's uh, yeah or yeah the complexity of the site you know you, you can have a really complex build but if it's well managed and there's well commu- yeah, communications there and actually that can be probably a very successful build um, so yeah, no, I think I think you're totally right, and I love that that term, meaningful conversations. You know, we, we run a management managing agency, and um, all about co living and um, next level HMOs. And the big thing we we talk about is meaningful relationships. So sorry, no, yeah, meaningful relationships. So that's how can you form meaningful relationships within a property, so that people when people move in, they they feel comfortable enough that they can chat to other people they can have their space they can um you know form a community uh, which actually means that they you know, they have an amazing user experience if you think about it from business terms like you know, it, we are providing a product we're providing a service um and that just service just happens to be you know people's people's homes yeah that's interesting itself i mean by the way uh, i also own a co-living agency cool so, uh, we've got some notes there we can swap uh, on that one and I agree also what you say about providing a service or a product. And um, and by the way, the people living in our properties, they're essentially customers, mm-hmm. right? And I think, you know, they're not tenants. It's not this sort of hierarchical landlord tenant balance of imbalance of power. Um, I don't see it that way anyway. I think it's about you know, delivering a service and, um, you know, giving value for money, um, making sure that there's good service delivery and you're actually serving clients or customers at the end of the day. And a lot of people who come into property lose sight of that or don't have sight of that in the first place. So Yeah, no, definitely. You're like singing off the same hymn sheet, hymn sheet there for sure. You know, we actually call our tenants housemates. You know, I, I know other people call them um, roommates or uh, when you've got residents, all sorts of ways. Do you have a term that you use internally in your business or even with you know, ten- a tenant facing term? Yeah, sure. We we um, tend to call uh, so one of the businesses called Capital Living, which is the co-living business I was talking about, and uh, we call our tenants. We call them members, and yep. um, so you know it's a bit more embracing, isn't it? Um, as part of a, a membership culture, and uh, I think in the we've got another business called Multilet UK, and that's um, it's more of a traditional agency rather than specifically co-living. Still shared shared homes, shared housing. I can talk about the difference between shared housing and co-living, um, yeah. if you like. But there we, you know, I think we're, the term in there is, is residents uh, rather than um, tenants. So, mm. yes, I think it makes a lot of difference um, in terms of inclusivity. Uh, I talk about in, in those businesses, for example, about having some key stakeholders 
in, in the business. And whenever I'm talking to a property owner or a landlord, I, I talk about them being one of the, if not the key stakeholder, because one of the models we have with agency or, or perhaps uh, rent to rent is uh, they are a key stakeholder, but the members or the residents or the tenants are also a key stakeholder. And the third one in our triangle, if I can picture it that way, so you've got you know, property owners slash landlords, members, tenants, whatever you want to call them, residents, and then is, is our own staff, our own people. Uh, and outside of that, there are other people, of course, connected to the business who play a significant part. But I think if we get the harmony between those three working well, um, and you know, it's, there's a give and a get, there's a give and a get with each of those stakeholder relationships, then we're going to be in harmony and everyone's going to be happy and everyone's going to get what they want out of it ultimately. So, and obviously as a business owner, um, that's what we want, but we think by serving other people and giving them what they want, then we'll get what we want to. Brilliant. Uh, Joe, is your internet working? Do you want to say something? Yeah, no, I was, I was actually thinking about how, how do you implement that? Like, how do you focus on delivering that daily with those different stakeholders? Like, how do you actually, yeah. What, what's your, your strategy that sounds a bit formal <laughs> no it's funny you should say that because um just just about two weeks ago we we, we acquired uh, the business multilate uk that i just talked about um about a month ago and two weeks ago we went up to the office and we had just um it's going to sound a bit corporate perhaps but we had a vision values and culture session and uh, we just gathered everybody around it's not like you know we didn't do an off-site or anything like that we just gathered everybody around we had about two hours or so of a conversation, conversation again, and we were, we were just talking about, well, th this is our vision generally, personally, and, and for the business. And, you know, what, what's yours? You know, how, how can you play a part in that? And, you know, what ideas do you have? And, you know, ultimately, you know, why are we all here? And we had this sort of conversation, um, of, you know, and we, we're gluing together our vision and values and our culture out of that session. And there's a risk in that because you don't know exactly what they're going to say. Um, but ironically, everybody, you know, funny enough, was coming up, we're coming out the right kind of what I would prejudge as the right kind of things that, to say to become our vision, values and culture. And that's now translated into kind of a it's, it's not up on the wall yet, but it, it probably will make it to the wall and it will be a standard. It'll be a standard by which we're going to do everything in the business by. So we recruit by it. We, we talk to each other by it. We will operate the business by it. And so that means things like the conversations, because it keep coming back to the central core, don't we? The conversations with the stakeholders, staff, you know, members or tenants and um, property owners or landlords, you know, goes around that central theme. So that you can't just leave it and then leave it on the wall for two years and it just becomes a platitude. You have to sort of um, reinforce it regularly. So we have one-to-ones, we have management meetings, we have uh, off-sites, um, we have a, like this rhythm of business and this I rhythm. Like Do you like that? Yeah. <laughs> so we, we have that. And um, I guess when you, because we just acquired both of these businesses in the, in the recent past. So there's a lot there's a, you met with a degree of suspicion um who, who are you new owner what are you going to do with our job or whatever and it's like well to be honest we want to get out of your way <laughs> you probably know this business better than we do um how can we help you but how can we help you to help all of our key stakeholders but so the rhythm of the rhythm of business is 
the cycle in which we help glue it all together. And obviously, so this could be a bit of a culture change. Uh, it could lead to changes in policies and processes and things like that. But, um, you know, it, I think ultimately, you know, most people, not all people, want to row in the boat in the same direction and, um, and we'll keep rowing together. Some people fall off the boat, by the way, but um, that's, that's usually, it usually- Some, some people are also pushed off the boat. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to say that. <laughs> yeah. so some people fall in. <laughs> so I, think by, I think by doing things like that and having those very clear, distinct processes and procedures in place and a very clear vision of where you want the business to go, you, know, you will end up with the right people in the business. Those people that value it and, and uh, appreciate it and um, want to be part of that uh, adventure will stay in the business and will be attracted to work in that business. Those that are not, like you say, will be those that will either fall out or get pushed out of the boat. When you develop a strong culture, um, it, it spits people out, actually. Yeah. It spits people out who don't uh, align. So I think it's, the purpose of this was to say it, you know, to actually, what is our culture, what envision and values? All right, that's it. And then we can judge our, all of us against it. And, it, you know, if, if someone over there, an outlier who doesn't really fit, it becomes pretty apparent pretty quickly. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if you've read the book um, Built to Last, you read that one? Yeah. No, no, oh no, it's not confused. Built to sell. Um, it's slightly different. <laughs> no, there's no built, different. To sell, but built to last was um, just quick, quick sidebar. It was um, a research study which started with a, a different premise to where it ended up. And, and long story short, it measured you know the most successful business in a, in a sector against the next most successful. And long story short, it was strong, strong culture, vision of values was one of the things that distinguished the high performers. And by the way, those high performers in the sectors, Disney, Ford, people like that, they, and that was a few years ago, it was written, there'd be new names if it was done today. Um, it, it was the strong culture, which was one of the defining factors. So I'm not pretending I'm a Disney or a Ford or a, or goodness knows, whatever it is today. I was going to say Facebook, but probably best not say that with recent news anyway so i think yes to yeah. have that oh my goodness sorry sorry Jane. no i was just, just going to say like um talking of internet issues which i experienced in the last recording quite majorly and um, the whole of like yeah in, the internet went down meaning facebook went down meaning whatsapp went down meaning instagram went down and it was like talking of culture that one just fell on its face completely and it caused such a kerfuffle didn't it what an absolute nightmare mm. i was actually thinking oh because it had it was something to do with dns servers and whatever this this thing is it had a massive effect and i wonder just yeah, it, 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 I suppose for me, for me, what that highlighted was, was that so much of what we do hinges on that. Um, and when you've got a strong culture to come back to and things aren't going right in your business, obviously not on a Facebook scale, but going back to your business, it's like an anchor, isn't it? That's what you've created is like an anchor point. Yeah, it's really important. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, actually, it's a good way of looking at it as an anchor. I agree. Mm. Um, we'll just We're boats. Going. Boats. We're on boats. Cool. So there was a slight delay there. I was just going to jump in because, um, funnily enough, I what I didn't mention um, is I, I kind of try and work, you know, in what's the, location independently. I think that's the uh, phrase. Um, but 
yesterday was a nightmare for me <laughs> because I'm roughly 10,000 kilometers away from our head office in Nottingham right now. And, you know, normally my WhatsApp is my lifeline and, you know, it disappeared. So, yeah, yeah you have to think, you have to, whoa, what do you do? Because that's a free tool, isn't it? WhatsApp's free. Yeah. Um, and there's no, you know, if it isn't there, what do you do? Anyway, that's a side. And just, 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 just to go back a step, um, there's an interesting fact there. You're 10,000 kilometers away from Nottingham. So where does this put you in the world? Uh, there's three of you there. Maybe have a quick guess. We can have a game, couldn't we? <laughs> okay, let's have, let's have a game. I'm going to Google. Where <laughs> is 10,000? I think you're in Dubai. Are you in Dubai? There's from Dubai. I'm not, not I'm Dubai. going to say anything. I'll let you have fair, fair, you know, go. A fair go. Okay. I'd say Canada. Dubai, Canada, and. Um, are ten, I'm trying to get a, dis, a concept of 10,000 kilometers, which is. Oh, Australia. Maybe Australia. I was going to say, how, how how far is Australia away from the UK? I have no idea how far Australia is. I think it's a bit further, actually. So should okay, I, so I um, put, or are you going to have yeah. a go? Uh, well, yeah, well, I'm going to probably say, if you're not in Australia, um, it, it's hard. I'm just trying to gauge from where you are, but you, your your room is it could be anywhere in the world. So it could, could be Nottingham. You could be Nottingham. <laughs> uh, or you could be somewhere in the States, or you could be somewhere in... Um, yeah. I'm thinking, I don't know, Singapore. So Matt, you were taking this very seriously. So, <laughs> um, um, so I'll say Rio de Janeiro then. So um, that's oh. Rio de Janeiro. So yeah, that's kind of where I am. So, and I have been on and off for a while, although pandemics has made it a little bit more difficult for, to be on and off, which is my normal routine. So it's been more on than off. There you go. I can think of worse places to be though. Hello. And what's what's the draw to Rio? It suddenly got interesting. What's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's forget all this property stuff. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Um, it was a deliberate act to make myself location independent a few years ago. And um, part of the reason was to have flexibility in terms of where we travel. The other part was basically my good lady wife is, is sensible. I'm the nutcase who's the entrepreneur. And she is, you know, she's got a corporate career. And so we, I, I, do, I do what I do from anywhere so she can do what she wants to do from specific locations. So essentially she got an assignment in Brazil and, uh, and I was able to join her here. Or we were able to come here together and I was able to operate my businesses while she is still progressing her career. So um, that, was the, that was the answer. Very good answer. It's not because you like to go to the beach. <laughs> I do like to go to the beach. Um, mm. And so when you live in a place like Rio, have you been, by the way? I have. No, I'd love yeah. to go. Matt, so, yeah, you know what it's like then. It's, it's beautiful. It's a really yeah. nice location. It's, it's one of those, like Cape Town is another one, isn't it? So she's got this, you know, the mountain and the sea and the city. Rio is very much like that. Um, it's kind of a city on a mountainside on a beach. So it's pretty tough life, tough life, Richard. Yes, I can say Friday, Friday nights were always fun in Rio. Get your caipirinha out. One one caipirinha from a street vendor in Rio, and that was your night sorted. That's what I found. <laughs> the, the, the Brazilian measures, they are absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. yeah, so we're not used to it. Amazing. <laughs> uh, so, 
do you or have you uh, got a question for us? Yeah, I should be worried about this or not. Uh, well, after where am I? No. So the question I guess I got for you. Um, one question I, I like to ask people who've um, got some experience and, and tried a few things is what advice would you give to your younger self? So let's say your 18 year old self. But if you think that should be 18 or 21 or 16, you can feel free to vary it. But what advice would you give to your younger self if you're starting out again? Ooh. 18 year old self. I oh, think, I know this one. I think for me would be, um, I've always been like afraid to do things up until like I, I didn't start my property investing adventure until I was in my in my early 30s. It took me a long time to 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 figure out that I or to admit to myself that I wanted to be that there was a I wanted to be self-employed or there was another option other than going down the nine to five corporate route. I was always afraid of jumping out of that comfort zone. And um, so I think for me it would be don't be such a don't be so afraid or scared of actually trying something different. You know, if you want to try something, go and do it. Especially at, at that age, at a young age, you've got nothing to lose. Yeah. There's so much so, so much time ahead. Do you know what? Mine is very similar to that. Um, slightly different context, but um, as in my twenties and well, I was a musician so that was my, my 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 job my career and everything I was doing and um I think what I'd, my piece of advice would be put yourself out there more so um yeah don't be afraid of what other people think because as Niall says you've got nothing to lose when you're that age um so you know I I think I've mentioned it pre previously on an episode but you know there's opportunities I had to go and to uh, audition for big pop acts and I just didn't go um, or I found an excuse not to go because I was busy or I was doing something else or uh, you know and um, I think back and I go ah oh, yeah I, I do regret you see obviously no regrets but I, I do regret the fact that I didn't actually give that a go um, uh, probably through fear of rejection um, but also it's a similar piece, piece of advice I have to continue to tell myself is put yourself out there more because the more mm. you put yourself out there the more um, you know, opportunities will will arise um, hence writing a book and all of that jazz. Um, you pardon the, the musical pun. Another reason why I love Brazil, by the way. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of Latin American uh, music. In fact, it is the theme of um, the album that's currently being mixed. Oh, sounds good. And mm. the intro and the outro to Property Jam. Indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, mine's, mine's quite similar. Um, it's probably reframed slightly differently. So mine is um, don't normalise what's exceptional about you um, because you are you. So you just think that everyone else thinks and behaves like you or has the same abilities and talents that you do, but no one does. And when you, instead of normalising it and trying to blend in, leverage it and try and stand out. So that's what I would say. Very good answers. And yourself. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I guess I've got to answer my own question. Mm. Um, yeah, I should have thought of that, shouldn't I? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think there's so much you could say. I actually did write an article on it, um, probably write a book on it one day. But I think um, I think you've only got one life. Um, so, you know, you might as well live it. And you might as well live it on your terms. And um, I discover who, who you are. And you can take your time to discover who you really are and what you want out of life. And I think, you know, I'm picking up a, a, some of what all of you said, actually. Uh, I just suggest, you know, spending some time, try a few different things. Doesn't have to be the sort of the matrix, you know, that you you step into. You can you can try different 
activities. Learn more about yourself and what really makes you know uh, you tick. Go for it. And by the way, if it doesn't work first time, so what? You know, yes. try something yeah. else. Try something else. You don't yeah. have to be mainstream. You don't have to sort of just do it like everybody else. You know, uh, does it? Um, I think the more you live life, the more you realise that um, you know that you should live it on your own terms. The the was it the um, the regrets of the dying, which is a cheerful thought. But the, the major regrets of the dying is, you know, that they don't really live their life as they want to. So, you know, if you project yourself forward to that horrible moment, um, what would you say when you got there? You know, can you live with no regrets and that you've tried things and you led a good life on your terms? That would be what I would suggest. Make yeah, a point. Oh, really good. Back. And actually, just, just to, yeah, if, if you knew that you only had, you know, six months to live, how would you prioritize things differently? And um, I think maybe, maybe, you know, some people live as if they've only got the next day to live, but you know, if you, some people live for the day, other people live for, you know, as if they're going to live forever, which means they think they've got forever to sort things out. Um, it, it comes back to goal setting again. And we were talking about um, um, on a previous episode, and goal setting is about you know, setting something which is achievable within a certain amount of time. So, you know, if you have, if, if you were to live, like you've only got a month to live or six months to live or 12 months to live, I think you would prioritize things very, very differently. And maybe that's, that's a way that we should be focusing, should be living our lives. It's an interesting point. And, and I, I definitely think, I mean, obviously I've just echoed it in a slightly different way, but here's the thing. Um, you all look a little bit younger than me. Um, and so I think I talk about the fixing and the flexing, um, you know, as you go through life and uh, I've got a few gray hairs, for example, and, you know, I, I've achieved quite a lot, thankfully. And, you know, my family's going to be relatively well taken care of, thankfully. So now I start to turn my attention to legacy. And that's basically how can you live on after you've not lived any longer? So I think that's the other side of the coin. So live life like you on your own terms early. But perhaps recognizing that, you know, there, there maybe is a legacy that you could leave behind. In fact, there is a legacy that you would leave behind. What would you like it to be? Yeah. Amazing. Cool, cool, cool. So um, sh shall we um, do a little bit of an episode roulette? <laughs> so, Richard, I'm going to scroll through all of our previous episodes. Um, you should stop at any point and then whichever episode we land on and um, just give us your view on that particular topic. So I am going to start scrolling now. Stop. Wow, that was quick. <laughs> that was very quick. I loved it. Decisive <laughs> is the word. Yes, it's great. Up episode nine, getting the deals. Getting the deals. Yeah. Oh, I love this one. So my view on it or? Your yeah. human perspective on it. Oh, fantastic. Even better because, you know, go, we'll go full circle, having meaningful conversations. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I, I love this. This is probably the heart of the matter for, for me, you know, doing deals and then working with, you know, key partners is all about having conversations. And um, most of the deals that I've done have, you know, I, I haven't gone on to right move and just found a property and, you know, viewed it and offered and blah, blah, blah. It's usually been some kind of relationship that's being formed um, and, and then, you know, evolving that relationship. And what I really, really love is like uncovering the actual motivation on the other side. 
and then trying to meet that that need, that motivation. And you can only really do that. Um, did you say something about superpowers earlier? I don't know. I, mean, I seem to remember you might have mentioned something. Did you mention superpowers before we I came? I said something about there? talents. Yeah, like your talents oh. and leveraging those. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, um, so thanks for making it relevant there instead of me being hung out and wondering what am I talking about. So I think my superpower is is to um, make people feel heard, and so you know, doing deals. Uh, I've done deals I shouldn't have done. Um, and it's usually because I was able to make that person on the other side feel hurt. And then, you know, the better I can listen, the better I can meet their requirements. It doesn't always work, you know, but I think that's, that's uh, for me, about deal making is about making the other person heard, understand their needs and the motivation, the drivers, and then match it as, as far as you possibly can. So how does that translate to property? Uh, well, I'm sure you can think about, you know, yeah. many ways in which it does, but it, it, you know, it doesn't usually work if you just go on the portals and click and uh, try and buy something that way. It's a human yeah. thing. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. I love that answer. It's I think great. that's probably the, the best answer we've had to that one yet. So, okay. Well, thanks. Well, you stopped it at a nice subject for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, now you can go on there. And the next topic wants to be licensing. We can click on that one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll scroll past that one. Yeah. <laughs> Episode okay. 11, scroll right past it. <laughs> okay, I am scrolling again, Richard. We'll do one more. Oh, another one. Oh, now stop, stop, stop. Oh, okay. This could be quite a good topic for you as well, then. Episode 19 Property Wellness. Does your health matter when it comes to property? Oh, that's such a great question. I bet you've got loads of answers to this. <laughs> I actually do, believe it or not, because um, <laughs> I'm always talking about um, being holistic, um, you know, being holistic. We are about human beings. We have feelings. We have physical well-being, emotional well-being, you know, spiritual, you could argue. It's not just about money and finance and property and stuff like that. And I think, you know, we are a whole person. And if we don't take care of that whole person, then we're going to be out of balance. And so you can have all the wealth in the world, riches in the world, but have no health, have bad relationships and, you know, just to have an emptiness about you. Um, probably going a little bit, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful life on you at the moment. But, you know, that's definitely how I see things. And I, just to put something out there, perhaps if your listeners are interested, I reinvented the wheel. Um, what do I mean by that? I, you know, the wheel of life. Yeah. yeah, that thing, wheel of life. I reinvented the wheel of life. Obviously, I can't lay claim to inventing it properly, but I, I've kind of got my own version of it, which has got about 12 segments to the wheel. And I've developed a test. Um, and I put it out there every year now. I try and do a reset. And it's for people to get in touch with the whole of themselves. Hmm, hang on, maybe you want to rephrase that. But um, <laughs> to all, all dimensions of their life. Um, not just financial or whatever. So it, it picks up the whole thing. So well-being, it, we, it's all about, you know, looking after every aspect of our life. So I like your topics, by the way. Um, you, you've also got some really good back catalogue stuff. Don't do the licensing one. Do not do the licensing <laughs> Don't do just We, we learned pretty uh, early on what was a good and what was not a good episode. <laughs> uh, as, as you know, we, we, we fixed and we flexed as a podcast. You know, we're um, two years in now and uh, we are, are not as... Well, yeah, we, we learned which episodes people listened to, which ones they didn't. Um, I have to say licensing was not one of the uh, the most well attended. 
<laughs> I, did a, I did a whole series on prop tech. And um, I think even some of my most loyal followers on my podcast, Body Voice Podcast, were saying that was turgid. I don't know how we got through it. Or, you know, kind of so, I persevered anyway. I was, it's like best part of a year on prop tech. Yeah. A year on prop tech. Wow. wow, that's commitment. It was about nine months, maybe. Wow. Gosh, but it is—it is, it is a, prop tech is a massive topic, and we've not really like dived into. Um, we've only done like, two episodes, really. Yeah, and, and that was kind of very high level on systems. And oh, there we go. <laughs> Did you write? Wow. A, you wrote a book on it. <laughs> so I was able to write a book on it as a result of spending nine months talking to smarter people than me on the topic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Idea. That's cool. All right, well, I think that's probably all, to, all we have time for today. So thank you so much, Richard, for coming on and sharing your your unique property voice. And uh, uh, well, how can people get in touch with you? How can people find you? Uh, well, amazingly, the propertyvoice.net uh, would probably be the place I would recommend people go. Uh, you can probably find the Property Voice on most social media channels as well, whether it's Twitter or Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn as Richard WJ Brown, I think. So, um, yeah, start there and um, reach out and have a conversation fantastic so richard you've got um some you got a common name as you said matt baker matthew baker is also a very common name um, i like the fact you've got some initials in there so i think i need to make up some more initials um because uh, matthew j baker is, is not matthew like matthew j q baker or something like that something really random q. Yeah. what does the q sound for quentin like, quentin or yeah, question starter. I don't know. Conversation starter. Anyway, we're going down a random rabbit hole now. So on that note, I'm going to say goodbye. Thank you very much. Um, uh, it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me too. jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more on facebook search property jam podcast or you can follow us on instagram at property jam podcast or you can email us at property jam podcast at outlook.com see, see you, you on the next, next episode, episode.